The royalty of college football is in assembly. What can you say? They, they were fired up. They played like they were on, you know, cocaine sandwiches the whole game. Two sides. You never go against at home. The Russian Army and Notre Dame. 50-45. Welcome back to Shooting the Breeze. I am your host, Mike Calabrese. And hand up, I, uh, I'm guilty. I'm, I'm not going to hide from it. I went 0-3 last week. And really, I just... I've kind of almost been hoping for this where like I'm so bad that now I'm presenting an opportunity for the the public to fade me. And on the other side, Camp's going to get into just how hot he's been in essentially the last month, at least the last three weeks. Um, But what's interesting is the points that I made last week were that something's off about this line. Vegas is trying to tell me something. The NFL, I'm much more comfortable just naturally without having deeper insight into the game saying to myself, well, if this game just smells fishy, it's either stay away or I will in a lot of cases just go to the other side so texas going against tcu tcu didn't look good on offense for about a month they were plenty fine they got right against a texas defense that was depleted so that was you know completely out of bounds wrong pick on my part then we had the michigan game i i've been holding up really for about 18 months how much i had been disappointed and was sick of michigan and then they proceeded to have their best game in about two years but really i just spent sunday morning you know looking over the games and thinking to myself like historically were there any worse predictions like did somebody think to themselves poland's going to be fine like they have home field advantage like germany's not going to be able to roll in in their first battle and just roll over these guys i'll take them at least in the first half like is there any prediction really in a bundle of the at three pack that i served up last week that could be worse ryan yeah your parents stopped at one kid because they thought you were going to be successful (laughs) okay all right you know what i'm no longer setting you up for for any questions like this and we're just going to jump right into the picks because that was both funny and damaging to me on a personal level so (laughs) yeah let's talk about that notre dame michigan game for a second because i'm going to parlay that right into my first pick which is fading michigan this week you i mean you said it michigan looked better under Harbaugh in that game than they've looked at any other point. It's as if they'd only been practicing for Notre Dame all season and just kind of winging it at kickoff with every other offense they went up against. They totally solved Notre Dame on both ends of the ball. They looked like an actual contending team that knew what they were doing for the first time in a long time. Uh, And that leads me to my next point. Fuck Michigan. I don't believe it. There's there's no way. I don't believe it. I won't believe it. I do not think they're a competent football team. I don't know what happened. But beyond that, even if you wanted to believe, I think this is a really good trap game. They just had obviously a huge win. They now are going to Maryland. Then they have a bye week and then they've got Michigan State. I think this is it's easy for them to look past Maryland and the line is slid to 21 and a half. That's a lot. That's a lot for an early Saturday kickoff on the road in a potential letdown game before a bye. I do, that smells very fishy to me. So apart from the fact that I don't love Michigan and I think Harbaugh has his eye on the NFL because as soon as someone says that they don't, they do. Uh, I would be very inclined if you blacked out the names of these two teams and just told me that there's a team that just had a major win that's going up against a lesser opponent on the road before a bye, before an in-state rival, I would fade that team. Yeah, there's a a great college football podcast that I would recommend to anyone listening to ours if you like a a bit more longer form. It's about our episode three times a week. It's the Solid Verbal, and they refer to it as the old uh, deli corner, the letdown look-ahead sandwich. We sure have a lot of sandwiches. 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 
And these are the strangest looking sandwiches I've ever seen. So the letdown after a big big win, the look ahead to potentially some uh, some more challenging games on the schedule. That, in a lot of cases, um, is the reasoning behind teams that aren't all that good hanging around for three quarters and uh, you know covering the spread. So I, I think there's a lot of logic in, in what you're laying down there. I've decided to try to mix up some of my methodology because none of it seems to be working so i don't want to put all my eggs in the metrics basket i don't want to put all my eggs in the gut feeling or situational baskets but i'm going to start with one of each and the first one here is a little bit of sentimentality a little bit of emotion and it's memphis hosting college game day for the very first time when this line popped up they're taking on a ranked undefeated SMU team that seems like they're playing on borrowed time. They played some really close games uh, in the last few weeks as a ranked team, particularly last week against Houston, who, if you haven't been following the news, they have a full-on mutiny going on in their locker room, and they nearly won that game. So the fact that SMU is an underdog here actually shouldn't be all that surprising. What is surprising is that they're a six-point underdog. Um Everything in my body tells me that you go ahead and take the value. I think they're they're out a little bit ahead of the market in terms of you know this um, this point spread being set. But I'm just going to go with what history tells me about a really jacked up group of five student section. It's the game of the year for them. They're going to have that extra boost from the crowd. They also have an SMU team that maybe looks like they're on fumes coming into the game and can't quite handle the big stage. So I'll go ahead and I'll take Memphis minus six. But everything else, metrics-wise, kind of points to SMU, you know, getting the value with near a touchdown. It's a stay away from me. I would have been more intrigued by Memphis at three, where it opened. I think now that it's at six, I agree with you. That seems like a lot to me. But the Sharps agree with you. It's about a 25% cash advantage over tickets towards Memphis. Um, I'm just jacked for this game. I think it's this is this was the promise of the college football playoff, right? We have two group of five teams that are ranked late in the season. They're getting a Saturday night game. They're getting game day. It's This is great. This is cool. These two teams are in the hunt and competitive late in the season for the first time for both of them in a long time, right? We've heard a lot about SMU and the pony excess and blah, 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 blah. Um, Memphis is a good team, man. They, they've always been a a burr in everybody's heel when they they're a tough out i think this is going to be a super fun game but six i don't know i did it doesn't feel right to me i'm intrigued by the fact that both of these teams are coming off narrow wins as big favorites uh and they still eked out a win that that usually to me is more of a momentum push for either one and that's why i'm surprised that smu is taking quite such a hit um i think a lot of that probably has to do with the quality of houston right now um but yeah so i i can't touch it at six I probably would have would have fucked with it at three, but I'm not sure that I can do it at six. All right, how about your second pick here in week 10? Week 10, by the way, just a total disaster in terms of buys. Don't worry if anyone's uh, wondering why there's so many buys this year. It only happens every five years in college football, but man, this has been a super buzzkill to see this many ranked teams just sitting on the sideline this week. All right, what do you got, Ryan? Yeah, every team, right? And the ones that aren't, like Clemson's got Wofford, and they're 45-point favorites or something. Like, yeah, real weak. But, again, great time for the group of five to shine. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Another Saturday noon game, I like Akron getting six at Bowling Green. Uh, Bowling Green's not good. They're they're not a good team. They're only two wins. But they look worlds better than the winless Zips. And I think that's why you're getting a high bet percentage on the Falcons, and and I'm betting that's all square money. Uh, I don't think... They're six points better than the Zips. I also think Akron is probably looking at this game and saying that this is their last best chance at a win. Um, so we've talked a lot about the spirit of a team late in the season. Obviously, 
all hope is lost for whatever this season will be, except for escaping with a win. I think everyone in their right mind would prefer to have one win rather than zero. It is mathematically infinitely better to have one win than zero wins. And I think th- I think this is a good chance for that. Six points feels like a lot. Bowling Green is probably uh, going to come away with the win, but I like the, the value on Akron getting six. I think they can keep it tight. All right, I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you a little latitude here. Can you name any player on Akron? And if you name a Kent State player, I will also accept it. If you cannot, could you give me a famous alumni from either of those schools? Uh, well, famous alumni is John Akron. He was both their founder and first student. Big uh, learner that John Akron. Wait, 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 hold on. He founded the school and he was also a student at that school. It wasn't that. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole process of founding a school is a learning experience. I think everyone would tell you that you're uh, you're constantly learning, right? As a wasn't wasn't that, wasn't that a crappy movie with Jonah Hill and Blake Lively where he made up a fake university? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think his I think the character's name was John Akron. That's uh, pretty sure bringing it bringing it back around. I was going to go with Dree Archer from uh, Kent State with a gun to my head. Uh, I do know Cato Nelson is the quarterback for Akron, and he's okay, and that makes him uh, basically at least an honorable mention player in the MAC just by being okay. So yeah, Bowling Green is no good. Um, they I think they kind of skewed their point spreads for the remainder of the year when they played tight against Toledo. I actually think they may have beat Toledo outright. It was a very weird game. There was quarterback injuries. Uh, I was with someone at a bar who was live betting it, and every time he had an opportunity to bet against Bowling Green, he kept doing it. Um, so I think that may have scared people away from just how crappy they are, but they are historically crappy. Um, basically, since Dino Babers left, they've not been able to pick up the pieces. Great, so. thanks. I mentioned that uh, we're going to go in different directions here uh, with my picks. So the first one was the college game day coming to your school, particularly for a group of five school. This one is which team on the board is the least public team? Which one is the forgotten school? No one likes to back them. And because of that, you're getting like three or four bonus points just for free, just based on you know the, uh, the name brand. In this case, Boise State traveling to San Jose State, you are getting that name brand's uh, – discount by basically not being known. San Jose State, I don't think, has been on national TV in about four years. And the fact that they're coming into this game playing a Boise State team that's off of a loss, their quarterback, uh, Hank Bachmeyer, is banged up a little bit. It looks like he will play, but he's got a hip pointer, so he's not going to be much of a threat with his legs. And San Jose State has been surprisingly competent this entire season. They got a decent win-loss record. They have uh, a very reputable uh, record against the spread. And they have a passing game that is is actually pretty electric. So the fact that I'm getting 17 here, that's a key number for me. As long as you're north of 17 or at that 17 number, go ahead and take it. Um, when I first saw this, I was kind of comparing the news when Bachmeyer got cleared. I was like, oh, well, this might be a good chance to hop back on Boise State off of a loss and a bye week. But then once I saw that it was less than three touchdowns, no, you got to go the other way with the Spartans here. What do you think about games that are just way off the radar? And ha- how much do you have to kind of reel yourself back in to be like, am I just being too smart for my own good? Or is there actually added value in this spot? Oh, yeah. There's a huge threat to be too clever by half, especially if your name is Ryan Camp. That's a that's a thing that I'm known for. That's on brand. I think it's always where you find the most value, right? Like the market works itself out in a way when the volume of bets is high and especially when the number of eyeballs is on a game, you just get better quality information across the board, right? There are fewer opportunities for arbitrage when a game has been analyzed from every angle, which is, I think, what made the Clemson blowout of Alabama in the national championship last year so shocking because you had so much time looking forward to one game and it was analyzed from every position and 
what, 80% of people said Alabama's going to win, and they're going to win handily, and it obviously went entirely in the other direction. Uh, By contrast, when you have teams that people don't pay attention to, like the Mountain West playing on fucking Facebook when they play Hawaii, which I have now struggled to get the feed for, Um, I have spent more time talking to the stadium, whatever the name company is, through email at 1130 at night, trying to get the stupid Hawaii kickoff. And like, for whatever reason, they think I'm, I'm like in American Samoa or some shit. I don't, whatever. I, I'm going to ask you a question so that you, you're not so, you're not so riled up. You know how true TV is basically just crank yankers <laughs> and practical jokers right up until March Madness. And then for two weeks, they play an integral role in the American sports landscape. Which network do you think should be carrying late night Hawaii football games? I mean, why not like Bravo? Throw it on with your girlfriend or your wife. You're watching earlier games. There's a break. The 7 o'clock games are bad that night. You both fall asleep in front of some Real Housewives rerun. And you wake up and Hawaii football's on. How great would that be? Yeah, I think the crossover appeal would be incredible. Like, you get a boozy brunch gone wrong with a bunch of the uh, Los Angeles uh, housewives, and then just a full-on fight in the student section with a bunch of women with awful botched plastic surgery just going at each other. I I don't know. I, I, I look at the Hawaii games. I think the product on the field is worthy of my time. I look up in the stands. No one's there. So you could probably film an entire episode just at, you know, uh, is it still called Pro Player or Pro, Pro Bowl Stadium? I don't know what it's called. Aloha Stadium. Give me Aloha Stadium and give me some D-list celebrities, and I think that's the crossover we all deserve. There we go. Real Housewives of the Hawaii student section. Yes. There we go. All right. We're going to kick it over to Matt Mitchell um, for his three picks this week. Matt, um, if you could give us a few things, other than your picks, because we don't really care about your picks because they haven't been good, Um, but a few things. Number one. What is it like now that baseball season's over for you? I think you set the Guinness Book of World Records for reverse run line bets in one season. Uh, number two, what is your son Moneyline Monty's uh, Halloween costume? And are you uh, kind of a joint costume with the family? And number three, if you were forced to put us in costume for the remainder of this audio episode, what would you choose? What an exciting end to the baseball season. It was a pleasure to have uh, the season end with one final reverse run line win. What a game. That was a blast. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. I certainly don't like betting college basketball, but I will. Uh, it, is, it is fun to bet on something that I don't have a lot of interest in actually watching. It does help my gambling percentages, that's for sure. Uh, in terms of Halloween costumes, Moneyline Monty is a pumpkin. It is devastatingly adorable. However, uh, we did get uh, close to about six inches of snow here in Milwaukee today. Uh, so he began crying this morning. I asked him, why? Why are you crying? He's crying a lot. And he uh, finally said he wanted to eat the snow. That was why he was crying. So we got a bowl, and he went out and filled the bowl with snow. And then he sat and ate that bowl of snow like it was ice cream, then ate another, and then ate another. And then he was trying to eat a fourth bowl of snow, but it was time to go to daycare. So uh, snow is really the headline uh, for Halloween uh, today in the Mitchell house. Um, in terms of putting you guys in costumes for the rest of the show, I'm not sure if you uh, fucking knuckle dicks know this, but uh, you are not visible because uh, this is just audio. Christ. Um, but if I had to give you audio costumes, I suppose I would make Mike speak in his famous Russian accent, which is excellent, highly recommend. And I'd make Ryan speak in a Boston accent because it would be a great way to make him sound like even more of a, of a fucking dingus. Uh, speaking of dinguses, uh, his pick of Akron 
Might be the worst pick of all time. Akron is unspeakably horrendous. The aforementioned Cato Nelson is actually out this week for Akron. Their quarterback situation is um, almost indescribably dire. So Bowling Green laying six is actually a steal. I'm going to take that directly in your face as my first pick. I also like Pitt laying seven and a half against Georgia Tech. I don't know if Georgia Tech will score 13 in this one. Their offensive ineptitude uh, continues despite that little glimmer against a reeling uh, Miami team a few weeks ago. And then lastly, another garbage pale game, Liberty-UMass over 69 and a half. Liberty and UMass both have defenses that are essentially bags of wet leaves. Do yourself a favor and bet the over in this one. There could be 150 points scored. I don't know if... Uh, if anybody gets stopped, if anyone is successfully tackled at any time. So if you can give up 56 points to Rutgers, anything is possible with UMass. So please enjoy. Go fuck yourselves. All right. Thanks to, you know, what's the opposite of movie magic? Because that's what podca- podcast pain. Thanks to podcast pain. I have no idea what Matt just said. You're listening uh, to the after effect of this. So I'm sure it was something cutting and uh, really grotesque at points, you know, keeping on our Halloween theme here. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to run through my last pick. This is a bit of breezalytics. I decided to actually look at some stats and some numbers. We got Nebraska laying three at Purdue. Nebraska absolutely needs to win this game to get to bowl eligibility, which despite all of the bad fortune of the first two seasons for the Huskers and for Scott Frost, going from four and eight to six and six is progress. They need that. They need the bowl practices. And with Wisconsin and Iowa on the horizon, they absolutely have to win this game. Second element here, Adrian Martinez now back, now healthy, says he is feeling fantastic. He's been practicing all week. He's one of those quarterbacks that coming into the season was a Heisman dark horse due to injuries and inefficient play. People have totally ridden him off. I think that's in overreaction on the part of the media, particularly on Twitter. Um, when I look at this, Purdue's offense is fun. They can't run the ball, but they sling it all, all over the yard. And I think that this is going to be a high-scoring game. What I really like is the S&P Plus numbers coming out of ESPN, thanks to Bill Connolly. Nebraska's offense, 39th in the country, getting Adrian Martinez back. Think of them more as a borderline top 25 offense. Purdue, 74th in the country. And the final thing, sometimes I think it's important in conference play to look at it through the lens of just the conference statistics. Purdue is in the bottom four in the Big Ten in nine major defensive metrics. They stink. They're awful. They're going to give up 45 points in this game, and I think that's enough for me to be able to lay the field goal. I like the Cornhuskers. Ryan, once you weigh in here as a data scientist, newly minted yourself, what do you think? I'm going to stay far away from data on this one, and I think if you fade Purdue here, you're betting that there's no fight left in the Boilermakers, and I think that's a great pick. Because not only have they been decimated by injuries and the season's gone sideways, they lose a tough one at Iowa, like most people do. And then I know it's Illinois rising right now, but holy shit, losing 24 to 6 to Illinois will take the wind out of anybody's sails. And especially when the season was already in the dumpster, this just has like a what's the fucking point written all over it. Uh, you get that sort of energy mismatch where Nebraska really needs it. Purdue would rather be doing anything else. I I think three points is a bargain here. Um, you could, I think you could move that line and try to pick up a couple more points, get Nebraska by a touchdown, and really try to get some value here. But I love the pick at three. I don't think it's going to be a tough environment for Nebraska to come into. I think Breakfast Club in West Lafayette is going to go a little bit later than kickoff, and you're going to see a pretty empty student section, and this one's going to be a cakewalk for the Cornhuskers. All right, I'm feeling energized by, by that uh, 
that recap for, for my pick there, Ryan. What's your last pick? Maybe I can return the favor. Wow, that would be wonderful. I got a Saturday afternoon one, FAU at Western Kentucky. This is another really fun one from a, a group of five team, number one and number two in the CUSA East. After losing outright to Central Arkansas in week one, the Hilltoppers are, they've only lost against the spread one time. They've been great as dogs and as favorites. They lost one I think they were 10-point favorites, the one that they lost. I think they were also 10-point favorites when they lost to Central Arkansas. So they've had trouble with bigger numbers. One and a half feels exactly right. These are two very evenly matched teams. They both have conference title aspirations. They both just lost to Marshall in back-to-back weeks. Um, I think it's good. I think one and a half is just about right. I I like where the Hilltoppers are going. I like their defense. I Basically, it just feels like a good time to bet home field advantage. I think it's going to be a close game. I think they're very evenly matched, and I like the ability for WKU to put it in the end zone. So this is uh, just a straight gut play for me on a an interesting one-two matchup late in the season. Uh, go, go group of five. This should be good. Well, we brought it up earlier with why what channel they'd land on. I feel like FAU must have landed on like Al Jazeera Channel 2 because I have not seen or heard from Lane Kiffin like – did he go to Twitter jail? This guy was like riding the wave. He had 10 wins. He had Devin the Motor Singletary. It looked like, you know, at the very least, he was going to get uh, a group of five job that was better or, you know, potentially get in with like an Arkansas or a South Carolina or somewhere. And now it just feels like all the air's out of the balloon. So I don't know. I, I, I wonder what it's like being in that locker room where he's as polarizing as he is, he's a much bigger talent than FAU as a coach, certainly as an offensive mind. Um, so I just wonder now that, you know, once they get into conference play, the the chances of going to a BCS Bowl are already out the window. How excited can you be about a conference USA East title? All these things where Western Kentucky, those kids are not, you know, Hollywood, they're not Boca Raton. They are in it for the grinds, and I think you see that in their defense. They de- definitely play a different style of football. So I like the Hilltoppers there, and it's actually a game I would watch just to for proof-of-life purposes for Lane Kiffin. Well, that's a phenomenon we've seen before, right? Like, I think he was so thoroughly embarrassed at USC and at Alabama uh, as much as a college football coach can be embarrassed. I think in some ways they are immune to that particular human emotion. But he, I, I think it's a self-imposed exile where he's much happier out of the limelight. Um, I think he's living life on the Gulf, having a great time. I think that, I mean, where else have we seen this? Bob Bradley in U.S. soccer going to Egypt after he was summarily dismissed from uh, both U.S. soccer and the English Premier League. Uh, John Candy in Cool Runnings washing out of whatever that real-life person was, but let's focus on the fictional character, washing out of U.S. Olympics and starting a bobsled team in Jamaica. Like, I think it's a common thing where, like, you know what? I, I gave it a shot. Tennessee, USC, the NFL, Alabama. And you know what? I think I'd much rather be the biggest fish in a small bowl that nobody's going to pay attention to down in Florida. I think he's having a great time. I think there's. I think he's doing... Just fine. Also, Florida Atlantic's probably on the Atlantic, isn't it? Now that I said the Gulf, that would probably make a lot more sense, wouldn't it? Either way, he's in the sunshine and he's out of the limelight, and I think that's where he wants to be. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Joey Freshwater has been just crushing the local talent there um, in – is it Central? It's, it's north of Miami. I know that. 
So north of Miami, central Atlantic. This is our, cartog- our cartography segment where neither of us, who has a strong handle on Florida geography, paints a mental picture for you about where cities might be. All right. For Ryan Camp and Matt Mitchell, I'm Mike Calabrese. This has been Shooting the Breeze. You can check us out over at SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all those different places you can find podcasts. Throw us into Google and give us some reviews, five stars only, please. And if you'd like to interact with us at East Breeze. B-R-E-E-S-E over at Twitter, as well as our email account, shootingthebreeze at gmail.com. Happy to take your your letters, your comments. Uh, if you want to throw in some multimedia files, we've already thrown up one voicemail this season. Happy to do it again. And uh, look out on the horizon. David Simpson is going to be joining us for a college basketball podcast. We're going to see how deep we get into that in the coming weeks. On Tuesday, just the absolutely unprecedented number one, two, three, four teams in the country all playing at Madison Square Garden for the State Farm Classic. So we're going to be able to talk about that. Lots of exciting things here at uh, at the Mothership, Shooting the Breeze, expanding into college basketball. It's an exciting team that we're going to be bringing to you, not just Ryan Camp and Matt Mitchell. Um, so that's it for the podcast. Enjoy this week. This is, this is essentially Skip It Saturday. If you really need to paint those shutters or do something with the grass or, you know, Go apple picking if you have to. This is it. Because next week we have, for the very first time in the AP poll, two 8-0 teams in two separate matchups are playing against each other. That'll be Minnesota and Penn State and LSU and Alabama. So strap in for that. Ryan, any final comments as we walk out? Even in a bad week, college football is great. Everything's going to be fine on Saturday, whether you watch or don't. Lay some money down. Enjoy the games. And if you need a little extra boost um, to get you through this sad sack Saturday, uh, EA Sports looks like they're going to bring back the NCAA football series. So fucking A, everybody. All right, enjoy the weekend. EA Sports. If it's in the game, it's in the game.